All views and opinions expressed in this podcast may lead to learning. All information provided is for educational and developmental purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for a growth mindset. Before taking action, please consult your motivation. Welcome to Learn Your English Podcast, brought to you by Learn Your English. Welcome, everyone, to the Cult of Learning, the Learn Your English podcast. And this is a podcast only for language learners. But if you are a language teacher, feel free to listen to this podcast as well. Today, we're recording our third episode. And this episode, Mike, is going to be on something that is really, really important when it comes to learning a language. In this episode, we will deal with setting clear learning goals. Okay. Woohoo. Yes. So we're going to be starting a series of episodes. And the first episode today, we're going to be talking about the seven C's of goal setting. So there's going to be seven words, starting with the letter C, that will help you, language learner, to set better learning goals for yourself. So, Mike, I, I want to start by asking you a question. Okay. So, a simple question. Why do some people succeed in almost everything they do while others seem to struggle? And most of the time, they end up give up, giving up regardless of their situation. What makes the difference here? What sets uh, these people apart? I don't know. I mean, that's, that's a great question. Um, I think there might be a couple reasons. I mean, when I think about um, people who have had success it's usually people who have you know good habits and routines mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, then, then again, I mean, I I think that we also have to recognize luck. Luck mm -hmm. plays a role in success, right? And uh, I think there might actually also be some sort of kind of personal or emotional um, reason for, mm -hmm. for why people are able to achieve these goals. But I think that's a, a difficult question um, about a very real situation. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, I mean, you've mentioned a couple of very important things, but I think the one thing that really sets these two types of people apart is the fact that, I mean, going back to something that James Clear said, winners and losers have one thing in common. They all have goals, but the difference is some of them are able to have a much clearer a picture of the kinds of goals that they want to achieve. So what really these successful people have in common is that they set out clear, achievable goals. So my next question to you then is, why is it so important for people who are learning a language to set goals? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. And, and just in general, why is it important to set goals? Um, for me, I think goals are about moving forward. So we talk a lot about lifelong learning. Mm -hmm. Well, lifelong learning is always about learning about something or learning how to do something and continuing to do that. So for me, I think learning goals is, or goals in general are about moving forward in life. And, and I guess a question I would ask you in turn is, is, is do, do we ever stop that pursuit of goals? For example, once we achieve a goal, do we just stop and that's the end of it? Or do we yeah. move on to another goal? So I think 
what I'm trying to say is that that goals are for me about moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you've, you've touched a very, very important point, which is this idea that a lot of people, when they, when they set a goal, they think that the, the goal is the end result. And then once right. you achieve that goal, you're done. Like, think about this. I think the biggest problem with our educational system is that it doesn't really encourage people to pursue this lifelong learning mindset, which is something that we try to promote as much as we can. Before we jump ahead, though, Leo, imagine if Michael Phelps had just given up after that first gold medal. That's right. right? Like, like what would have happened to us as a society, like in terms yeah. of having someone as motivational as that, just kind of give up and, and also for personally for him, mm -hmm. um, it, it would be tough. And a lot of these athletes struggle after they achieve their goal because they're not able to reorient yes. themselves or redirect or channel that mm -hmm. that drive or desire mm -hmm. so i think as you said it's it's lifelong yeah well i think that's the importance of setting goals because like you said all these top athletes all successful entrepreneurs business people they all these people have something in common they are all high achievers they have these very clear goals but not only that their goals are also measurable and that's something that that we need to take into consideration because we can actually be proud when we achieve these goals because we can actually measure an example of, of measuring a goal would be for example this week I'm going to learn five new words and once I've learned those five new words I have to find a way to incorporate those words either into my speaking or into my my writing. So that's another important thing. Also, Mike, I would argue that achieving goals boosts, increases your, your self-confidence. But, but why? Think about it. If you set a very clear goal and you achieve it, then you, you, start, you start realizing that you do possess this ability and this competency that is required to achieve the goals you've set for yourself. So, so what you're saying is that it, it reinforces or makes stronger your confidence that you can do it. So it reinforces yeah. Um, confidence. Yeah. And I think that's the reason why a lot of learners lack the confidence to learn a language is yes. probably because they don't have a very clear goal a goal that is clear a goal that is achievable and goal setting is important for this reason because it, this is what we are looking for we're looking for this this clear long-term vision and motivation to keep doing what we are doing and this is why mike it's also important to be part of a community where in that community the desired behavior is the norm and what do we mean by that well Let's look at our learner membership community. We have a group of people, they're all professionals, they all have different backgrounds, but they all have one goal in common, which is to they learn. All, to learn. Exactly. They all want to learn, they all want to get better. And I think that people are attracted to people who care. So if you join a community of people who, for example, exercise every day, then you're more likely to repeat that desired behavior, right? 
it probably works the other way too, Leo. Right? Mm. If you surround yourself with a negative environment, then that might actually create more, well, the opposite of confidence, more pessimism, mm. right? And, mm-hmm. and would, would hinder your development. Yeah, yeah. And I think, Mike, if you think about it, what, do, what these people actually have in common is that they have developed this capacity or they have cultivated, which is the name of our podcast, they have cultivated this capacity to just simply embrace, to love what they're doing, to enjoy the process along the way. Because if you think about it, the way education works currently, it's not really encouraging that kind of mindset. Yeah, it's very much this business-oriented approach, especially language learning, where you are given a product and you consume it, where versus education, where you are working with others to actually improve yourself and, mm-hmm. and others and hopefully maybe your community, right? Yes, yes. And that's the whole point of education. For us, for Learn Your English, and this is the kind of mindset that we want people to cultivate. So before we talk about the seven C's of, of, uh, of learning, of setting clear goals, there is also a very popular framework for goal setting. Um, it's been around for a while, Mike. It's the, it's the SMART, S-M-A-R-T, goal framework, which is a guide that has been commonly used in project management, employee performance management, and even personal development. So, Mike, what's the first S? The first S is specific. And we've already talked a little bit about this, right? We talked a little bit about having a clear goal. So mm-hmm. here your goal is very direct and detailed. And to give you an example, um, a, a, an opposite, so a vague goal, a vague goal would be something like, I want to be a better person. Mm-hmm. Versus perhaps a specific goal would be, okay, well, what does it take to be a better person? Uh, maybe volunteering. So I will volunteer two hours each mm-hmm. week at a local charity. That's it. So, so like you said about language learning, perhaps it's about learning five words a week and then using those words five times mm-hmm. each week. So yeah. yeah, you need to be specific. Yeah. Well, the other f- words, the other, um, I would say the other uh, dimensions of this of this um, smart framework is that the M it has to be measurable, something that you can track progress. It has to be attainable, right? It has to be something yes. that you can actually achieve. It has to be relevant. Again, it has to align. It has to connect with your purpose. With, with your, your life. With your yeah. life, yeah, yeah. And it has to be time-based. I mean, you need to have a deadline. However, we're not gonna be talking about the smart framework uh, we're going to be looking at one that is a little more philosophical in its nature and perhaps more memorable because it involves seven C's. And this is inspired by the work done by a man named Tom Morris, who spent, I would say, a long time, a long time, maybe half of his life, doing a lot of research based on the ideas of wise, wise philosophers, wise people successful business people, athletes, and they basically left us with a map, a <laughs> blueprint, a blueprint. What is a blueprint? How actually we should explain that word to people. What's a blueprint? Well, let's, let's think about what we're doing. We're trying to build something, right? We're trying to build ourselves, build our knowledge. So 
a blueprint is that that that plan that engineers and construction workers use to build a building. So I guess what you're saying is is that these that the Morris approach and these philosophers have provided us with a, an outline or blueprint for how we yes. can build ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's basically it. So it's almost like a toolkit for success. Oh, I love so, that expression. Yes, it's a toolkit because again, all of these ideas they can be summarized into this into this framework, into this blueprint that combines seven conditions for becoming successful in anything, not just language learning, but anything. So together, Mike, we're going to embark on a series. This is just going to be the first I'm excited. Yes. And we will discuss what each of these C's mean and what implications they have in terms of language learning. Are you ready? I'm ready. I got my hard hat on right now. I'm ready to build this baby. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with the first C. I studied English in a classroom for years, but felt I was not improving and not having fun either. I did not know how to learn a language. Then I found the Learn Your English online membership. My name is Victor and I am an LYE member. This membership is for people who are passionate about learning English in their own way. These are not classes. This is learning outside of the classroom. We learn by participating in activities just for us, effective and fun. What is included? Podcasts, reading clubs, meaningful conversations, language challenges, and much, much more. The special thing about the community is that the teachers will do anything they can to find the best way for you to learn. In my case, it has been through philosophy, psychology, and life in general, from readings and podcasts to meaningful conversations. Head over to the Learn Your English website for all the details. That is learnyourenglish.com. Ready to take control of your learning? Join me today in the Learn Your English student community. Hi, guys. My name is Ethan from Korea. Uh... You are listening to Teacher Talking Time and the Learn Your English podcast. 안녕하세요. 제 이름은 에단이고요. 한국에 물론 한국인입니다. 아, 지금 여러분은 Teacher Talking Time the Learn Your English podcast를 듣고 계십니다. All right, Mike, we're back and we're okay. starting talking about the first C. In the first C, the first condition for anyone to succeed, any kind of success, is you need to develop a clear conception of what you want, a vivid vision, a goal that is clearly imagined of what you want to achieve and accomplish. But first, let's break this down. What does that mean? What is the meaning of the word conception? Yeah, right? Like conception. I, I, I mean, for those of us where we're familiar with the word a con- concept, right? So let's... Uh, Let's go through the dictionary definition here. I mean, really what a concept or conception is, is more like an idea, right? Of, of what something is like, or like a general understanding of something. For example, um, someone might have no conception of what uh, their loved ones want, right? So mm-hmm. I have no conception of what my partner wants, right? So right. it's like this I- idea, right? Or understanding of something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so so the first C basically means that you need to have a very clear idea of where mm. you want to go, what you want to accomplish, right? This reminds me, Leo, of one of our first episodes where we talked about imagining yourself using the language, right? Mm. How do you see yourself performing in the language? Yeah. 
where how do you envision your future self is that what you're kind of getting at here yeah yeah it's almost like a target to shoot Uh at because if you don't have that then basically you're living an aimless life and as you said even (laughs) having a conception of of the kind of person you want to become a lot of people don't know who they want to be they say when i grow up i want to be a lawyer but even saying you want to become a lawyer is very vague it should be more clear and specific especially because vague goals don't work mike why well i mean first of all um vague thoughts are not good when it comes to motivation right mm-hmm. i mean first of all they're not very specific but also when you think about it it could also be demotivating as well right mm-hmm. for example if if your goal is too vague you may never achieve your goal so that would negatively affect motivation right mm-hmm. well we can think of an example and you said that like i want to improve my english skills that's a very vague goal what would be an example of a detailed goal well a detailed goal is something like I want to improve my speaking skills so that I can have conversations about everyday topics with friends, right? Mm-hmm. That's a little bit more specific. Yes. We can get even more specific by looking at what words and what expressions. Yeah. But yeah, so so what we're doing here is we're we're trying to think a little bit about how we see ourselves. Yes. And well, and I said at the beginning of this episode that we might get a little philosophical, but um, a lot of this, a lot of this um, wisdom, a lot of this idea of knowing what you want, of having a clear vision of, of, of who you want to become in this foreign language comes from Socrates and Socratic thinking of, of knowing yourself, this idea of having self-knowledge. And I would argue that a lot of people, many people, as a matter of fact, they don't really have a very good knowledge of themselves. Who am I as a person? What's right for me? Who am I as a learner? A lot of people start learning English, but they have very vague ideas of what they want to do with the language. So do I enjoy studying grammar? These are just a few examples. They're almost like lost at sea, right? As Seneca mm-hmm. said, no wind blows fair for a ship that has no port, right? Right. Like you need a sense of direction and navigation, yes. right? Yes. And, and the second piece of advice is we need to, ha- to be bold, right? We need to yes. be, we need to set new goals because once we achieve that first goal, then we need bigger goals. We need new goals. And these goals, Mike, as you said in the previous um, um, block of segment of our podcast, these goals should never stop. It doesn't mean that just because you've achieved your first goal, you're done for the day or you're done for life. Learning, I would I would argue, is actually a series of adventures. Every day you have a new goal. Every day you have a new conception of what you want in your life. And again, these goals make for great adventures. So you're constantly exploring, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. And it goes back to what you said about self-knowledge because mm-hmm. we're constantly changing over time as well. So it only makes sense that our goals um, and our adventures change over time. That's right. So that's the first goal, conception. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Are you back at school and feeling a little out of shape with your writing? Do you have to write long, complex essays for your program? Are you not sure how to navigate your research and referencing appropriately? 
the Learn Your English Student Success Series might be for you. We combine face-to-face classes with online instruction and office hours to make sure you have the most effective and personalized learning experience possible. If you want to enhance your academic writing, Learn Your English can help. For all the information and to find out about the next session, check us out online. Go to learnyourenglish.com or email us info at learnyourenglish.com. Your path to success starts now. Hey everyone, my name is Azat Bostaş and I'm from Turkey. You are listening to Teacher Talking Time, the Learn Your English podcast. Hey, merhaba arkadaşlar. Ben Azat Bostaş, Türk'üm. Şu anda Teacher Talking Time grubunun hazırlamış olduğu İngilizce Öğreniyorum podcastini dinliyorsunuz. Okay, so we're back. We've talked about the first C of conception. Of, yes, the conception. But now let's talk about the second C. And the second C is confidence. But what kind of confidence? Confidence that we can actually attain, that we can actually achieve our goal. And every goal, Mike, will pose a challenge, will create a new challenge. And when yes. we start a new challenge, it's very common for us to feel nervous, worried, and unsure. Aristotle actually said that there are many ways to go wrong, but only way, one way to get it right. So right. for us to explore this second C, this confidence, we need to understand that there is a difference between courage and confidence. Mike, what is the difference between these two? Well, I think, you know, courage is, is about being brave, right? So it's about, you know, the ability and willingness to act um, despite danger or, or, as you said, this fear and nervousness, mm-hmm. whereas confidence is the attitude of trust and support for belief in your own success right mm-hmm. so so confidence is as you said at the very beginning in our first segment is that confidence is like knowing that you can do something mm-hmm. so but i yeah as again both are kind of required here aren't they mm-hmm. yes yes so for example when you have courage you have courage to do something so for example you need to have the courage to speak in class right? Yes, yes. Or you can have the confidence to speak in class. But I think we're going to try to talk a little bit about the difference. There's a little bit of a, a new, like a little bit of a nuance when it comes to these two. So if you're confident about speaking, you may not be very courageous. But if you're courageous about taking on challenges, you may not need to be very confident. So Let's think That's about right. it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and, and also, you know, you can, you can have confidence in your ability as well, mm-hmm. right, Leo? Whereas you wouldn't have courage in your ability. You would right. have confidence in your ability to succeed. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe the task is, is very dif- difficult or it makes mm-hmm. you feel nervous. So again, you, you need to be brave. And I think that courage has this, this nuance or mm. kind of feeling of, of fear, danger, whereas yeah. confidence is almost neutral, yeah. right? So, so for example, I, I am confident to speak to people, but maybe mm-hmm. if there's a room of 100 people, <laughs> I need courage, right? There's right. that added, yes. 
added dimension, that added element, and that I'm added thinking, aspect. Yeah, that's a good point, Mike. And I was thinking, why do you think learners lack the confidence sometimes? I think it's because in the classroom, they're not required to speak much. Like a lot of the lessons are very teacher-centered. The teacher is presenting the language. The students are practicing the language in a very um, confined or constrained um, setting. And then only then they are thrown into the the deep end and they have to use the language. And I think their confidence is not built from the beginning. Whereas what we believe our approach to language education is we throw them into the deep end right at first. And then we support them and then we let them do it again because by doing it again, by repeating this task, we're giving them another opportunity to keep building their confidence and their courage. It's, it's kind of um, similar to the way we approach goals, right? Mm-hmm. We, we try something first based on what we have, either knowledge or skills. Mm-hmm. And then we, we, we, through the support of others and our network, our community, yes. our, our, our group of peers, we, we experience some success, but we also recognize we, we need to develop more. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, as you said, this deep end approach kind of shows us that we, we already have a lot that we've accomplished uh, in our lives and that, that we, we can therefore build on those skills as long as we're operating in this yes. community of practice or this group of like-minded individuals. Mm-hmm. So right here, I think we need to, we need to think about how to approach this. So there are two steps that we need to take into consideration. The first step is we need to create a confident mindset for learning. But how do we do this? Well, we draw on our previous or we rely on our previous successful learning experiences. Everyone, everyone has learned things when they were a child, when they were a teenager, even as adults, we've all gone through the experience of learning something. But when it comes to the language classroom, we feel like we don't have this confidence, but we do. So Mike, you have an example, right? Yeah, I think like, you know, writing academically or, or riding a bike, we've all done it for the first time. And, and when, we, when we start at those early stages, we you know, were feeling bad and awkward and bruised. But, but you, you kind of accept, and it's always inspirational to watch mm-hmm. young children learning to ride a bike because they eventually realize that you need to make mistakes in order to get better, right? To yes. rebalance. And, and this, this kind of idea of, of improving those small, improving on those smaller mm-hmm. mistakes actually helps you stay motivated because mm-hmm. you're trying to get better bit by bit. And it's this persistence that, that is this optimistic persistence that actually helps us get through uh, those ups and downs or in mm-hmm. for riding a bike, your bumps and bruises. Right. Interesting. Ups and downs, bumps and bruises, a little bit of uh, alliteration here with the language. Mm. But you, I remember you mentioning this and we've talked about this, our experience writing academically. Like oh. if you go back and you look at your writing five years ago and you look at your writing today, you can notice the difference, like the transformation that you went through, right? Yes, yes, yeah. And, and 
and again it's it's never easy to to receive feedback or or to see a lot of red on your paper from a teacher or from a peer or a person who has helped you edit it your mm-hmm. writing but you need to see those because every time you correct those errors you're again you're you're improving yourself mm-hmm. by dealing with these mistakes and over time your persistence means you become a better writer yes so that's the first step we need to create a confident mindset for learning the second step mike is confidence as you said is only gained through practice practice in a safe environment not the classroom the classroom is a place for you to to test but for you to really gain this confidence is you need to talk to strangers you need to embrace embrace your mistakes right there's going to be a lot of interference from your first language but you have to ask yourself what do you want to learn is it survival language is it academic writing do you want to engage in day-to-day conversations and mike the other important thing is that practice is boring there is a <laughs> there is a there is a, a a a level of boredom that is i would say part of of practicing right and yeah. I, I want to talk about this idea of deliberate practice, which is something okay. that I read in a book by Erickson and Poole. They wrote a book called Peak, The Secrets from the New Science of Expertise. And they were the ones who, who coined, who came up with the term deliberate practice. And deliberate practice, Mike, is very purposeful and systematic. What oh, do I, I like mean? that. So, yeah, because, yeah. sorry, I'll just cut, just sorry to interrupt, but purposeful so there's a purpose mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. systematic there's a system okay there's a system yes Sorry. so yeah. yeah because if you think about this the practice that we do in the classroom is somewhat mindless it's a mindless <laughs> repetition here use the present perfect again try it again get this gap feel right deliberate practice is different because it requires focused attention and it's conducted and it's done with a very specific with the very specific goal of improving your performance. And I think that's an important word here. Hmm. It's all about wonder, performance. Yeah. And I think, again, this goes back to earlier episodes where we talked about and, and, and, and your concept, your conception, conception mm-hmm. of yourself. And that is, you know, how do you see yourself performing in the language? Mm-hmm. And the practice is actually, as you said, doing the actual performance. Mm-hmm. And I think that that that is you're right that that is exactly how we improve it's not having this wide mm-hmm. brush but rather choosing specific learning opportunities to practice what we have learned or want to do you had an example and it was like tying your shoelaces right yeah right so so at the beginning you kind of had to think really carefully, right, about the process. And by the way, I tie my shoes completely different from, I think, most people on the planet. But that's my own way of doing it. So does my son. And and you know what, Leo? I think we're going to come back to that, right? Like, Mm -hmm. after we have these concepts, there might be ways in which Mm -hmm. we can can add our personal touch to them. But, yeah, yeah, I I think, but, you know, after constant repetition, I can kind of perform, or we all now can perform this simple task uh, automatically, right? Yeah. And, and, and I think what you're trying to get at is that 
the more we repeat a task, then the less awkward it feels and the more mm -hmm. natural it becomes. Yes, yes, exactly. And I have one example, a historical example, and that's Benjamin Franklin. And it was about improving his writing skills. We were talking about our academic writing. But what Benjamin Franklin did is fascinating. He found articles by some of the best writers, some of the best authors in his time. He went through each article line by line, and he was writing down the meaning of every sentence. Then he rewrote each article line in his own words, basically paraphrasing, and then he compared his to the original. And then what he realized, Mike, this is the deliberate practice here. He realized that his vocabulary was the one thing holding him back from better writing. Therefore, what did he do? He focused intensely on improving his vocabulary. So deliberate practice, Mike, always follows the same pattern. You break the overall process down into very small parts. You identify your weaknesses. You test some new strategies for each, each little section, each little part of the system. And then you try to integrate that into your learning, into the overall process. So this is why it is systematic. And this is why it is also purposeful, right? Right. Which brings me to a question. I'm going to give you this, this idea just so, just so the, okay. Listeners okay, understand, the listeners understand deliberate practice in action. So I'm going to give you two situations, two scenarios here, okay? Player A and player B. So player A, he practices 200 shots per hour with the baseball. He has a colleague who retrieves the shots, who gives him the ball back. Okay. He keeps a record of all the shots he's made all the shots he's missed, he missed and, and all his errors. That's player A. Player B only practices 50 shots per hour. He is the one who retrieves the balls, his own shots, and he, he dribbles for fun. He takes a lot of breaks here and there. My question to you is very simple. Which okay, so player? Which one am I? <laughs> no, no, not well. I'm not gonna get into the details here. Okay, but okay, which okay. player would you predict to be better or to be a better shooter after 100 hours of practice? Okay, so so let's think. We're talking a little bit about deliberate practice here. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm gonna ask myself. I'm gonna reflect mm -hmm. on this a little bit. So player A is practicing with some sort of purpose because they're recording their shots being made and some errors partner. And there's a system where, where he's working with others to, to, to, to either record notes or to help him with feedback. And then the other player B um, is practicing as well, mm -hmm. but it looks like there's no purpose because as you said, it, he's dribbling kind of leisurely. So mm -hmm. I, I, I guess my, my hunch, my my my belief would be that player a would improve a little faster yes well the question is is there a practice equal oh my my analysis or my i would say no they're they're not equal mm -hmm. but if you think about it mike in the beginning or at the beginning of their practice they are 
at the same level. They are equally skilled at the start, right? But because they practice differently, they will, of course, have different skills after 100 hours. And I think this applies to language learning. You can have students in a class where they're constantly just learning one grammatical point, one grammatical item at a time in the classroom versus a class where the students are constantly just practicing using the language in meaningful conversations, in meaningful situations. If we compare those two classes, they start at the same level. But if we look at um, maybe four weeks later, you will see that the class where the students are just using the language, talking in the language, compared to the class where the students are talking about the language and focusing on grammar, you will notice that there is going to be a huge difference in their performance in the language. It seems pretty clear, right? Like mm -hmm. it, it, it basically makes me wonder then why so many teachers don't change their approach to allow students to actually purposefully use their mm -hmm. language, which is why I think our membership is, is quite good because there's always a purpose. Yes. And that purpose is lifelong learning and growth. Yes. It never ends. This is the thing about our membership is you will never stop learning the language because it doesn't matter. And there's a quote, it doesn't really matter how long. If you only practice your, with your fingers, no amount is enough. But if you practice with your head, two hours a day is plenty. So there are certain things that most language learners, learning experts agree, right, Mike? Some of them include what? Practicing regularly? You got to practice. You got to re recall. I like I said reflection, but recall here means that you're going back and mm -hmm. thinking about what you learned and reusing it, right? You're yes. making your brain go back and get it. Yes. What else? Well, I, you know, you can listen and repeat aloud. I, I've had a I've had a lot of students improve quickly because they're reading, and not mm -hmm. only that, they read from the moment that they start their course, and then and then they continue to read a lot. And I think mm -hmm. that it's through reading that you learn how, models of language, yes. but you also learn vocabulary and, and related to that is is listening right mm -hmm. you need to expose yourself to written so you need to read a lot but you, written content so you need to read a lot but also you need to listen to uh, you need to expose yourself to uh, conversations and and TED talks and mm -hmm. as much audio as possible and as you said earlier you know you can't you need the courage and confidence to engage mm. others in conversation. Yeah. And it, if you don't have a, a, a the, the great thing about the membership is that we, uh, we kind of provide this platform or this, this space where people can just engage in conversation with people on the other side of the planet, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really, but it's key that you have that community. And, and you need to push yourself, right? Yes. You push, as you said, you need to create targets and build each of your skills, the, your listening, speaking, reading, and writing. Yeah. And the last step, Mike, Mike, step three would be to build confidence by, as you said, engaging in these real conversations. So how can students, how can language learners build this confidence? Do you have any 
I think for, for us as teachers, I, I like to think of, of the classroom as a place where we reflect, right? Mm -hmm. so, so you can do this on your own by thinking, okay, how can I prepare for a conversation? Mm -hmm. what, is, what do I expect to happen and what might I need to say? right and you can write those ideas down you can practice them in front of a mirror practice yourself ordering a cup of coffee at starbucks mm -hmm. in english um and how you might respond to different questions that the the barista might ask you um right. and i like this idea of speaking aloud leo because it helps you get used to hearing your voice mm -hmm. right so it, it, it again builds this confidence and you know you can should just stop stop thinking about your accent i was gonna say that yeah. yeah yeah are you able to you know understand your main points right mm -hmm. and one thing mike it's it's something that we've talked a lot about and we're going to be um we're going to be doing a lesson a live lesson for our members if you're not a member you can always join us um it, it, we're going to be talking about the four a's of successful communication and Ooh, the four like a's yes yeah. so how do people maintain a conversation in english it's very simple you ask you answer you add and then you ask so an example <laughs> of that would be for example if i ask mike let's imagine we're having a conversation mike so i'm going to ask you a question hey mike what are you currently doing so mike is going to answer yeah. add and ask yeah i'm doing my phd in bc uh i'm going to focus on education how about you, Leo? Right. And then I will answer, add, and ask, right? So I think that's a very important um, strategy that learners can use when they're trying to improve their speaking skills and also build that confidence, build that courage to have conversations with other people. You mentioned um, accent earlier, Leo, and I find mm -hmm. that the big thing with act, the big problem with focusing on your accent is is not is that people don't usually do it to improve themselves they're doing it because they they they they want to sound like someone else yes. or, or they're worried that they're going to stand out in a bad way mm. and um but we have to stop that right yeah no absolutely i think i think this is an idea this this accentism has been propagated a lot on YouTube or, or Instagram with a lot of these people saying, I'm a native speaker of the language. I think the reality mm -hmm. is very simple. If you are a native speaker of any language, it doesn't really mean that you are a competent speaker of that language. So I think we need to switch the label. I think we should move away from native and non-native speakers of a language to competent speakers of a language and incompetent. And again, competent speakers can be native or non-native. Very much so like incompetent can also be native speakers and non-native speakers. Because we all know, Mike, there are people who speak English as their first language, but their level is very low. Right? Yeah, yeah. They, they don't have the fluency or proficiency to really carry on a conversation. Yes. Or and, and, and engage with people in a, yeah. in a way that, that builds relationships. Yeah. yeah. So I think as long as you're doing that, then don't worry about your accent and maybe mm -hmm. just stop avoid, stop comparing yourself, right? Leo, you, you yeah. talk a lot about this. Yes. Right? Yes. I don't like this idea of comparing yourself to, to other people because when you think about it, other people are not your competition. Right. You are competing against yourself. 
right? And I think, I think that's a good way for us to wrap up this episode. Um, we have a, a lot of Google Classroom activities based on this episode for our, for our learners who are members of, of uh, the Learn Your English community. If you're not a member, we strongly recommend that you sign up because we truly believe in what we're doing and we really think that what we're doing is going to advance um, language education. So the two C's that we've talked about today, the first one, conception, having a clear conception of what you want, a vision, a goal that is clearly imagined. The second C, confidence, strong confidence that you can actually attain, that you can actually achieve that goal. So I want to end here, but there's one thing that I want to say, and it's a quote, Mike, that I, I read recently by James Clear, and he talks a lot about this idea of best practices. And best practices are an example of a blueprint. So hmm. he said that if you never copy best practices, you will have to repeat all the mistakes yourself. <laughs> if you only copy best practices, you will always be one step behind the leaders. So hmm. that's a good way for us to think about this, right? When best, crop, when best practices are copied, unseen errors are also, or the, the, the errors that you don't see are also inevitably copied, right? So learn from the mistake of other people. You can't live long enough to make them all yourselves, right? So <laughs> learn, learn the best practices. Look at what successful language learners are doing. So you learn the rules like a pro. And this is Picasso who said this. So then you can break them like an artist later. Beautiful. So, yes. That was a, a work of art right there. Yes. All right, everyone. So stay tuned for the second episode in this series of the seven C's of setting clear goals. My name is Leo, and I'm here with Mr. With Michael Mike. Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> See you next time, everyone. See you next time, everyone. Take it easy. You've been listening to Teacher Talking Time, brought to you by Learn Your English. Ready to take control of your education? You're in the right place. Teaching, professional development, learning. Expand your world with Learn Your English.